I mean, did, but that's also probably a part of growing up in Britain where they're kind of part, especially growing up in the 70s and 80s, the 80s, like me, you know, because they're always around kind of, and they're just part of British life, they became. Hello, and welcome to another Geek Sweat. This week, we are talking about the legacy of the Carry On films. And joining me this week are Jay. Hello, everyone. And Stephen Code. Hello. Joe, have we ever resolved the Code thing? Are you Stephen Code or Stephen or Cody? I, I, whatever, whatever feels good for you, man. Okay, that's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel like going with Stephen. Okay, moving <laughs> on. I like that one best. Stephen's better than Steve. Yes. We, we know we don't say Steve. That's uh, that's a taboo word. Or Stevie. Okay, so today we are appropriate enough looking back at the successful Carry On series of films which ran from 1958 to 1979, a period of 21 years for those of you who didn't do math GCSE, and they also made a final Carry On film in 1992, Carry On Columbus, so we can consider that the whole series lasted over 30 years in this time they were among the most popular films released in Britain. But the question is, do they still stand out today? Do they still stand up today even? I think they stand out today. They stand out for sure. So in preparation for this show, I I guess Stephen and I have seen our fair share of carry-ons before. We forced Jay to watch three films, which were Carry On Cleo, Carry On Screaming and Carry On Matron. So, Jay, how did you get on? Oh, dear. <laughs> that good? Well, look, you, you know, it's a sign of its time, right? I'm, I I get that. But, oh, my gosh. You, you, you could never film something like that today and get away with the misogyny in there, the... I mean, like double entendre, fine. You know, I, I think I think everyone appreciates that, um, especially around here. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I, uh, yeah, I think it's you know the I don't know. It just felt like over sexualization sometimes, you know, and it always it was always the women. But also, you know, you had your stereotypes in there which were grating. like Joan jo- Joan Sims, who all of her characters. Well, actually. She was only in two of the three that I watched, but her her characters were always like the shouty, angry housewife. That's what housewives are like, apparently. <laughs> I, I, I learned I learned everything I know about people from K on films. So yes. Stephen is currently <laughs> single, ladies. <laughs> line up. Form <laughs> an orderly line. <laughs> okay, from my perspective. Um I just don't like shouty, shouty characters, and and hers were very grating, shouty characters, and you know <laughs> they portrayed a very, very bad stereotype. But I get that you know Carry On films are caricatures. I can't even speak properly. Caricatures of you know daily life or you know things that were happening at the time. So yeah, I mean, like I, I wouldn't choose to watch it. Let's put it that way. Okay, I don't want to zero in too much. I just wanted to get your hot take to start us off. Stephen, let's um, let's get your view. You've seen many Carry On films. Have you seen all the Carry On films, by the way? Yeah, I'm, doing, I'm wondering how many I've seen. I wonder if there's any I haven't seen. I'm not sure. 
well, I mean, when you're growing up, they're always on TV. They used to be, and um, oh, that must be the joy of growing up in New Zealand. Did you not get Carry On films? No, the first time I heard of Carry On films was when I came here, uh, and that was 15 years ago. But I, you know, this is the first time I've actually watched a Carry On film. You know, I, 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 is it considered a genre or is it considered a series? Because I, for me, it felt. The way people talked about it, it felt like it was a genre of film. I mean, I, I feel like it's bordering on a genre. Something with, you know, double entendres, certain sexual situations, but um, not explicit. It's just relentless puns. It's very much like Dad's Army and it's, it's character-based, you know, and they always they always basically play... The, the same actor will play a different version of the same character. The, you know, there's not there's not a lot of difference between Sid James's characters. I mean, aren't Sid James's characters always called Sydney something or other? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's no pretense at all. This is yeah. so. It's kind of like these are people that I mean, Sid James was already known. He was still. It, I mean, when Cameron started, he was famous for being Tony Hancock's um, uh, straight man, and he was. And so he was, and Ken, Kenneth Williams. Uh, oh, actually, I don't know this. I'm, I'm pretending I know this, but how many? I'm not sure how many of them actually made their name on Carry On, and how many were known before. But you know, you get Kenneth Williams who always plays the same kind of type of character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And over, um, kind of over melodramatic and just over yeah. the top, and, and a slightly, slightly camp way as well. Yeah, very. I mean, not quite as camp as Charles Hawtrey, but um, still quite camp, yeah. So actually, I would say one thing that I did like about the Carry On films, revisiting them, was the combination of Kenneth Williams and Charles Hawtrey. And what it actually reminded me of was Frasier and Niles, because Niles is like Frasier, but even more so. And Charles Hawtrey is like Kenneth Williams, but even more so. <laughs> It's quite funny. I mean, if you've got Kenneth Williams, you wouldn't think you'd need Charles Hawtrey. It's like you've got the camp angle covered, but they like chuck him in there and it works. Well, I mean, they're, they're interesting two people because, I mean, they were both gay, but they both had completely different attitudes towards being gay. I mean, Charles Hawtrey was out and proud and, and used to go around trying to pick up sailors in bars. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> Whereas um, Kenneth Williams was kind of was ashamed to be gay and it was... Um, he saw it as his great weakness, and uh, and it's interesting. And I think on set they kind of clashed over their different ways that that they um, expressed their homosexuality. Uh, well, I think there's a there was a film made about the behind the scenes of um, Carry On film. I think I think it was to do more with Sid James trying to bed Barbara Windsor, and that I was the kind of running uh, the plot of the film, but. Um, I've heard of this film. I believe it was called Core Blimey. Core Blimey, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And then you get Hattie Jakes, who um, always plays the kind of sensible, uh, the one who's in control, the one who knows what's going on. And um, Yeah, we'll, we'll return to her as well, I think, in a bit more detail later on. But of the core cast, Jay, were you familiar with any of these actors before you saw the film? Oh, only Barbara Windsor. That's the only face I could recognise. Um, and there was, um, oh, there was a Doctor Who in um, Screaming, Carry On Screaming. Um, I've forgotten his name now. Um, John Pertwee. 
Ah, uh, yeah, Pertwee. Yeah, although you didn't really recognise him as the Doctor in, um, in um, Carry On Screaming. The main character was called Doctor What? <laughs> yeah, and he was a Doctor <laughs> Who later on. <laughs> yeah. No, that was clever. I mean, like, I, I, I do commend the Carry On films for clever um, dialogue. I mean, I, I really like Carry On Screaming. I mean, it's a bit different from the other Carry On films in that uh, I, I think because it takes from the other great British franchise of the 60s and 70s, which is the um, Hammer Horror films, and it kind of moulds the two together to make um, something that's a little bit different and I think quite, I think it looks great. What did you think of Carry On Screaming? It's not that I hated it and, it, and it's not that I love it, but I appreciate that it comes from a time, you know, that, that it's a product of its time, that that's the way films were back then, you know, as a, you know, a, a celebration caricature of, you know, British life. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but you, you're right. Carry On Screaming is, is completely different to all the other ones. Okay, um, Jay, of the three films, which one, which one was your favourite and which one was your least favourite? So I watched Carry On Matron, Carry On Cleo, and Carry On Screaming. Um, I, I think for me, Cleo probably was that little bit more clever, that little bit more kind of, um, like they weren't for me. They were never like laugh out loud funny. They were all kind of like chortles or huh, or kind like, of hmm. yeah, you know. But um, they were kind of amusing. Um, but yeah, I, I I can't explain it. I but yeah, but Cleo, but Cleo for me was probably the better of the three. Mm-hmm. And I think I know what you're going to say here. But do you have one that you? didn't like out of the three more than the others. Oh, Matron. It's probably the one that I didn't really. Yeah. Why was that? It just felt flat and it just felt boring. Um, I think the the quips weren't as clever. That's just my take anyway. But... No, no, I get that. And I think hopefully I can contextualise that a little bit. So I'm going to talk very briefly about the history of the Carry On films. The first Carry On film in 1958 was... Carry On Sergeant, and then that was followed by Carry On Constable, Carry On Nurse, Carry On Teacher. So the early Carry On films were sort of parodies or takedowns of authority figures to some extent. Obviously, at that time in 1958, they had compulsory national service, so this would have been part of everyone's experience or a part of young men's experience. And the title itself, Carry On Sergeant, comes from military terminology. And then in 1964, the series was already like 10 or 11 or 12 films in. It took another turn with Carry On Spying, which I think was the first spoof. And then that was followed by Carry On Cleo. And then they had these two things kind of in tandem, things about authority figures or British life and spoofs of popular films at the time. But um, the series seemed to run out of steam a little bit in the 70s. First film to make a loss was Carry On at Your Convenience in 1973. I believe it was 1973, which is set at a toilet factory. But um, apparently it failed to chime with um, audiences because of its portrayal of um, trade unionists as basically wastes of space. 
and um, people felt that was out of touch or they didn't think a political point had any place in a carry-on and that was the first carry-on film that made a loss and after that they seemed a little bit adrift the series continued for a few more years the last carry-on film was called carry-on emmanuel which was a spoof of the porn film the popular soft porn film which shows the kind of new worlds carry-on was operating in and perhaps there wasn't a place for it anymore but apart from that the material seemed to get a bit more tired who would have thought yeah <laughs> so um that's a very brief overview perhaps unnecessarily negative but um the three films that we've seen they're all scripted by Talbot Rothwell, who's considered to be the best of the carry-on writers. He wrote 19 of the carry-on scripts. Um, Cleo was the fourth one he wrote. Um, and Matron was the last but three that he wrote. So perhaps you could say there's a bit of tiredness creeping in there. It doesn't quite have the freshness um, that I think even people who aren't carry-on fans might detect in Clio. There's a kind of freshness or at least energy in that that maybe isn't in the later scripts. Because he wrote 19 of them. He was writing two and a half scripts a year. So he was really, no pun intended, bashing them out. And perhaps the, uh, the creativity and the energy diminished as the series went on a bit. So I think that's one reason, Jamie, why you might not have liked Matron as much, just because there is that decline in the quality, I think. They started losing cast members as well. Yeah, there's that. Although they still have sort of the compliment in Matron, because they've got... Yeah, yeah, I think that's the last time there's a lot of them. Yeah. Um, Did you enjoy Matron? I mean, like, we would make Matron on your list. I mean, I think we put it as it was one of the medical ones because the medical ones always seem to be popular. Um, I mean, for me, I find the, um, for some reason, the historical ones seem to be a bit better than the modern day one or the then modern day ones. I don't know why. They seem to have slightly better production values and all the best of the historical ones do, like Screaming, Cleo, Carry On Up, the Kyber. Um, the French Foreign Legion ones follow that camel. I, I wonder if it's because it's more visually stimulating with the cast um, costumes and the sets. Yeah, they seem to, I don't know if they had slightly higher budgets, that, like, or some of the historical ones had slightly higher budgets, but they definitely, there's like a attention to art direction in the best of the historical ones that definitely isn't there in any of the modern day ones. I mean, the modern day ones look as plain as anything, and actually, the art direction in Carry On Screaming is quite good, I would say. I mean, actually, I, I really like some of the sets there. Like, you know, the policeman's bedroom, and it's got like a, like a police picture on his side of the bed, and it's got uh, his wife's mother on the other side of the bed. You know, that tells you all you need to know about their marriage. And it looks like authentically Edwardian as well. The colours are actually really yeah. good as well. Like Fenella Fielding's red dress. I mean, it's almost worthy of a Hammer Horror film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing you have to remember about is that the cast, they were all, like, while Carry On was going, they were all on TV. They were kind of famous for other roles. They were famous for doing other things. So it's kind of like if all your favourite TV comedy actors now got together every couple of years and made a film. And uh, that was, that was the, and there was a, you know, people could go out to the cinema and see these TV stars acting together in a, in a film, doing a kind of, 
you know, um, it's right, it's almost like a like a review, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's like a series of sketches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was part of the appeal. So um, I was thinking about, you know, you've got the early ones, like Carry On Sergeant, Carry On Nurse, Carry On Teacher. These were all kind of professions. I mean, Nurse, obviously, was able to use the kind of, the NHS hadn't been going that long. So, you know, they're able to, so it's like a new thing. Suddenly there was like ordinary people in hospitals and it was, and they were able to use that for the, um, uh, the, the hospital set ones. And, um, if you, uh, so you got constable to sergeant, it's all like a kind of, um, jobs that people do. And, um, just about, yeah, ordinary jobs that, um, normal people do. And like, and then like, um, Dominic said, it goes on to uh, carry on Jack. What's that? Uh, well, carry on spying, like you're saying. So spying becomes like a spoof. So that's the first one that's actually, you that's, know, actually that's a spoof of James Bond, yeah. though, isn't it? When but, but the others are just more sort of more comedy versions. Like I mean, I wouldn't say they were kitchen sink dramas, but they were more comedy kitchen sink. You know, kind of a, a very British kind of um, <laughs> like like a kitchen sink drama, but obviously. Um, with the uh, emphasis on the comedy and on the on the light-hearted side of British life rather than the difficult side. I think like the, the NHS thing, that's a good point. And one thing that struck me about the carry-on films for something that's like held up as an example of British humour, it's very, it's not sentimental about most aspects of British life. Actually, it's saying most aspects of British life were a bit rubbish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that's where the comedy came in, though. It's kind of like, how do you make something good of a bad situation? Or, you know, it, it, I, I think it was kind of like, it felt like it, you, you would have used that to kind of unwind from a hard day, you know? Yeah. yeah. Let, let's let's bring some laughter into our lives because life ain't that great right now. Wow. Where's our equivalent of that these days? <laughs> YouTube. So um, I wanted to like drill down on some of the um, lines. So Jamie, did you have any favourite one-liners across the films that you watched? There were actually quite a few, but I can't remember them because you know, once again, it was it wasn't one of those like laugh out loud. It was kind of like, oh, that's clever. Like, um, oh, what was it infamy? Infamy. Everyone's got it in for me. Did you know of that line before you saw it? No. No, I didn't. Wow, so you didn't know of that line and it still like struck a chord. You still remember it. I, I, I remember it because it was a play on words. And, you know, when you repeat something often enough, it's kind of like. It's probably the most famous carry on quote of them all. Is it? Yeah, it yes. is. Well, there you go then. You know, yeah. I mean, like some, some lines are just memorable for being memorable. Yeah, I can tell you that. Um, Infamy, Infamy, They've All Got It, Infamy was voted the best one-liner of all time in a BBC poll. Yeah, but no, there were quite a few good one-liners. Um, yeah, and double entendres and stuff like that. It was like when uh, was Cleo was um, talking about her ass. I've got this, and it's a snake. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> the way you tell them. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, because I, 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 I can't remember it word for word. I should have written them down, but no, sorry, I didn't. I, I wasn't aware there was going to be a, um, you know, line quoting se- um, section to this podcast. 
<laughs> this is the new thing we do. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, Stephen, you've watched it several times. Do you remember the exact line? I am, again, I'm not good at remembering lines. When, um, when the two escaped slaves try to hide with the Vestal Virgins, they say, we're meant to be eunuchs, what have we got to lose? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, Sid James saying, blimus. Blimus. The Latin version of blimey. Oh. <laughs> and Marcus Expensus. Sid James wasn't British. Oh, he was South African. Although I, I think his whole career was in Britain, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Then Luke Carpenter from Neighbours, he's British as well. But he spent all his career in Australia. And now everyone thinks he's the Australian. Yes. Get Neighbours knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who tuned into our Carry On podcast for Neighbours knowledge, there you go. <laughs> Stephen, always up there with your esoteric uh, requests. Yeah. Sid James' birth name was Solomon Cohen. I wouldn't want to speculate on why he changed it, but he decided <laughs> to go by Sid James. So we're looking at these um, three carry-on films, um, carry-ons in general, but these three specifically. Um, so, Stephen, maybe you can tell us a bit more about why carry-on screaming is your favourite, or is it actually the best of the whole bunch? I've just got a thing about, you know, I, I like horror films, and I like old, I love Hammer, Hammer horror films, and it's, carry on doing a version of uh, doing their own version of what a hammer horror film is and so that's why i enjoy i like the performances i like it's the only film i think with um uh, harry corbett harry h corbett yeah he's good he gives a proper performance in that yeah 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 um did you, have you heard of him before jay nope uh he's, he was um the son in steptone son famous british sitcom I remember um, Stepstone's son. I've heard of it. Yeah. I've, I've probably watched a few episodes when I was a kid, but I don't remember it. Yeah, it's not but he, that... he's kind of like, he plays the main, the, the police inspector. I, I love his performance. It's great. Um, it's yeah. also got uh, Peter Butterworth, who I'm a big fan of. Uh, yeah, and the look of it, the look of it is fantastic. Production design, um they it, it, it's different, but yeah, it's good. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a spoof, but I guess there's it's a very affectionate spoof because there was probably a lot of crossover between Carry On and the Hammer films. I'd have liked to have seen a Hammer version of a Carry On film. That would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like Christopher Lee doing pratfalls. Yeah. <laughs> the role that... Um, of the inspector played by Harry H. Corbett was originally meant for Sid James, who was the star of most of the Carry On films. And in fact, his character, the character of the police inspector is still called Sidney. They didn't bother to change it. <laughs> but I think Harry H. Corbett definitely makes it his own and he's probably better for that part than Sid James would have been. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. And also it makes it, makes it stand out from the others a little bit. It's, you know, it's not the same old gang. Doing the same old thing. Oh, what did you think, Jamie? Did you have like any opinions about Sid James, who was like the the name above the title? He was the star of most of the Carry On films. I don't really. Well, I've only seen him in two of them, so what what's my impression? I mean, did you? Yeah, what did you respond to his persona? Do you understand why he was the star? Although Kenneth Williams kind of is Kenneth Williams not? Was he? Didn't he just get the role because he got the roles? It just felt it just felt like a, it's not what you know, it's who you know. 
<laughs> I just mm. felt it just felt like it was like a click, you know, a click of people getting together to make these yeah. films. I I I was his performance outstanding? No, don't really think I so. It's his it's his persona, the, the slightly dirty old man that he. Yeah, it says here on his Wikipedia page, remembered for a lascivious persona in the Carry On films, with the Snoop's website describing him as the grand old man of dirty laughter. Mm. Well, no, actually, no, he was only in Cleo, wasn't he? He was Mark Antony in Cleo, and he's the um, like the chief of the um, the would be robbers in. Matron. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he he wasn't like seedy and matron. I don't feel that he was CD. No, no, that was a slight departure for him. Yeah, so based on you're asking me about his persona, and the only one that he's actually CD in is Cleo. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you see my confusion to the question? I, I see your confusion. I, Jamie, I totally get your whole confusion about everything <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> I haven't watched enough to, to, to make a. Okay, who made an impression on you? Uh, Kenneth Williams, he was in all three. Yeah, well, I mean, like like I said, you know, earlier, you know, he just had the same kind of role but in a different costume. He was always playing the slightly melodramatic camp guy, you know, who was always shouting. Kenneth Williams was in 26 of the 31 Carry On films. Wow. Is he the longest-running actor in the Carry On films series? That is right. Kenneth Williams has the most appearances in uh, Carry On Films, 26, followed by Joan Sims, who has 24. Yeah, I mean, like, because she was in two of them. She she played Calpurnia in, in Cleo and she played the inspector's wife yeah. in um, Carry On Screaming. She was the woman with the, uh, the baby who was overdue in Matron. Oh, yeah, she was too, yeah. Yeah, so she was in all three that you saw. Charles Hawtrey was in 23, um, as it says here in his entry, no pun, often played a meek, rather effete mummy's boy who could suddenly erupt into riotous behaviour. Sid James was in 19. He actually, I believe he died before the series finished. Um, he had a heart attack in the 70s, so he wasn't in the latter few carry-on films. His final carry-on film was the intentionally named Carry-On Dick, which is about the highwayman Richard Turpin. Kenneth Connor was in 17. He's the... Um, he was the um, husband of the woman with the overdue baby and matron, the railway man, and um, he was um, the inventor of the square wheel in Cleo. <laughs> I get the impression that Joan Sims always plays the angry housewife. Was that yeah. the same with all of all of the Carry On films she was in? Well, because she's meant to be the plain woman, whereas the, then you got the attractive woman in it, who she's, you know, who she's sort of set against as a as an ideal for the male character. So, so was that a um a stereotype on the casting um choice or was that like that was just her thing? I don't I don't know really. Um I, I mean the, the characters in Carry On were were, were um but you know based on the actors playing them so I suppose there was a certain extent it was but um it, it's just a stereotype in um in all British kind of um films or TV series of the 70s and 80s or 60s is the, the attractive woman and then the, the wifey type kind of 
sour one. And yeah, Kang on yeah. obviously kind of put up the pretty woman on a pedal still. And then, you know, you got James Sims there to just to counterbalance. I think that's how it works in Kang on films. Oh, that's just part of the formula. It's just the stereotypes of the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah, 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 of course, yeah. And I, I totally get that, totally get that. There's not really room for nuance in a in a carry-on film, uh, you know. I mean, you could still you could say the same thing about, like, kitchen sink dramas of the late 50s where the kind of woman is put upon and it's just kind of, it's a more comedic version of the put-upon put upon woman of the angry young men uh, dramas of the late 50s, I think. Okay. So I was watching Matron in preparation for this and I thought it was going to date terribly. And I know that, um, Jamie, you've said it's um, kind of misogynistic in some ways, but at the same time, I was surprised that it actually portrays the Matron as being the one person who's competent in the whole hospital. And it implies that nothing would run at all if it weren't for her. And not only that, it actually sort of takes the matron's desire to not be taken advantage of sexually seriously. In as much as the film takes anything seriously, it takes <laughs> that seriously. So would you say that it's kind of a positive portrayal of that character? Maybe more a positive portrayal of um, that occupation or, you know, people in that, in that position. Because, um, you know... I suppose back then, you know, matrons were kind of like these knees were came to the nursing kind of um, arena, you know, because they were always in charge. So they're, you know, authoritative figures. So, and I wasn't that kind of out um, when the NHS was kind of like being born as well. So I definitely carry on nurse was still the early years of the NHS. Carry on nurse was 1958. Carry on matron is 1972. They did some four medical ones. So nurse was 50, 59, actually carry on nurse. And then they did carry on doctor, which was um, 1967. And then they did carry on again, doctor in 1969 and carry on matron was the last of their four medical themed ones although Hattie Jakes plays a character called Matron in a few of the other films as well yeah yeah that was actually I don't know if anyone watches Only Connect but that was a question on Only Connect the other day um the third the first um clue was um nurse the second clue was doctor the third clue was doctor again and again doctor and then they no one got it so that was cool I did yes but you're special Stephen um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got that. We well, would now. So, Jamie, you don't know if you know this, but all the Carry On films were produced by the same person and directed by the same person. So, did you notice any directorial touches? Would you say there was a distinct, like, creative vision behind the films? As a kid, I noticed there was lots of it would cut away just before the good bits. Before it got too saucy. <laughs> yes. Yes, it's it's like porn, but with only the first five minutes. But I mean, this is part of its popularity. Was that I mean, this is before porn. This is you know, you could go to the cinema and and men could sit there and look at pretty women, massive pretty women in short skirts, and you know, have a laugh. And it's all kind of you know, sex comedies. But you've got to be out of hand in the seventies when the sex rotation kind of took over, and you get the Adventures of a Plumber's Mate or Confessions of a Taxi Driver, where it goes. 
kind of full soft porn. And but this is kind of it's it's just it's just like kind of rude enough for British people without being too rude. That's what carry on is. We British people can take that level of rudeness, but as soon as it kind of crosses over the porn, the, you know, like the the adventures and the confessions films, although they were still successful. So see, I I was quite surprised because I. Um, ended up watching the first few minutes of Carry On Camping and that had full frontal nudity because they were like, the scene was they were watching a film of a nudist beach and, you know, there was full frontal in that. And I I was quite surprised. That happens in 70s film, in in Porridge, in Porridge, which was uh, like a a primetime TV sitcom, you get on the wall, it's just lots of pictures of naked women. From the sun and stuff, you could get away with it as long as it wasn't actually on set. If the nudity was like either on a bit of paper or on the TV in the corner, you could get away with it for some reason. I don't know why that is. <laughs> or I mean, that's a parody of a documentary, which is in the beginning of Carry On Camping. There, there are loads of shows um, for like that are on before nine in the seventies and eighties, where any kind of garage or anywhere would just have loads of pictures of naked women all over the wall. And it, it, no one ever complained about it then, but it, you don't get it anymore. I'm not complaining about it. I'm not, I'm not demanding the reinstate. Yeah, I'm going to shut up now, but that's my point. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I feel like maybe we're being a bit hard on the carry-ons. I don't know, um, because we're focusing on what might not stand up today. But Jamie, did you think they were well-made films? Are they well-directed? Well, for its time, it probably was. I, I mean, I, for, for me, I feel that they're dated for today's audiences. I mean, like, there are so many things in there now that you just wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't film today. They probably filmed the same script with actors, but making it clear that it's a satire. But Carry On is parody. Carry, carry On is satire. Austin Powers, a kind of ironic look at those sort of films. Yeah. It is. I mean, even that was 20 years ago. I'm not sure if we could get away with that now. Okay. Yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. And there was a bit of blackface in there as well. Like, um, what, what, about, what about something like The Kingsman? Is, is that... Because is that, that's like a retro spy thing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But it's a different, it's a different feel. It's, it's not even a comedy. It's not parody. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, I've never seen it. It's an, it's, it's an action fantasy in a way. It's hard to say, like, um, watching the Carry On films back, if I hadn't known they were directed by the same person, I don't think I would have detected anything that told me they all had the same director because there isn't really any personal touches to the direction of the films. No, I didn't think so either. I mean, like, there was nothing, you know... Apart from the stereotypes, I, there was nothing directorial that stood out stood out for me. Yeah, I mean, I'd say some of them look like competent films, like especially Screaming, Cleo as well, some of them less so. I mean, there were a couple of things that I thought I could see the laziness maybe just creeping in a bit in Matron. Like there's one bit early on where there's... Um, the, um, I don't know, security guard slash receptionist, Arthur. And um, Sid James makes a joke about him being really miserable. And then it's not even a cut, it's the same scene. Um, A doctor comes up to Arthur and says something funny and Arthur laughs just after there's been a joke about him being miserable. So, you know, the director 
has to say, okay, you know, for that joke to still land, you know, you have to stay in character and not find that funny. So there were I, like a few kind of miscues like that in the later films, especially where some of the, I think it is an energy thing or a, a concentration thing or a focus thing. Some of the desire to make a consistent film seemed to have gone. Everyone was just probably slightly bored by them and just kind of going through the motions a bit and not really looking at the details. Do you think that's a fair point? Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but, but saying that, I mean, I don't want to be too hard on them because I do have a lot of affection for some of the actors. Most of them, actually. I mean, I think most of them, you know, were pretty good at what they did. And it is funny to see them get together. And there were some good lines. I mean, there were some, like, real clunkers in there as well. I mean, the ratio of good lines to duff lines is not 50-50. But the good lines are still funny. And I think the best of the films are still enjoyable. Maybe it's just British humour doesn't land with me as much as it does with you. <laughs> I think that's probably probably it. I mean, like, it's not that I don't get British humour. I think it's maybe... Do you like pantomimes? No, not really. Like I've I've been in a I've been in a few pantomimes. Oh really? And it, but it, it I suppose it's just I think corny is is the word I'm trying to find. And camp. corny. Mm, camp. Well, I don't mind camp though. It's, it's oh yeah, just, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing, but, but it came yeah. camp. Yeah, I, there's a certain flavour to carry-on films that you don't get anywhere else. And so that makes carry-on, you know, as a series or genre, if you take it, um, if you if you like, um, that, that's what makes it special. Is there any other, you know, film series or, um, you know, that, that even mimics or comes close to the carry-on type films? Not in Britain, I don't think. Yeah, because you've mentioned Dad's Army and, you know, cause, I, mean, I mean, that that's satire as well, isn't it? Yeah, but it, it's about, you know, Dad's Army, you laugh more when you know the characters because you, you, you kind of, and that's the same thing with carry-on films. You watch kind of, more uh, the more carry-on films you watch, you kind of get to know which characters you like and, you know, how they're funny and that helps with the humour. yeah. But I, I, I think also a lot of them, you know, I think they feed off the the melodrama, the overacting, that you know, over um, lines that you kind of overshoot. And the thing is, they hit the mark most of the time. It's just like for me, it's just not out loud funny, laugh out loud funny. It's it's just kind of like chortle, you know. Um, but that, but that doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy them. It just means that you know I I probably didn't enjoy it as much as, for example, you, Stephen, or Dom. I mean, did, but that's also probably a part of growing up in Britain, where they're kind of part, especially growing up in the seventies and eight, low the eighties, like me, you know, because they're always around, kind of, and they're just part of British life. They became, so you don't have that kind of connection to that. So. Yeah, I remember seeing it as a kid and there'd be a compilation show called What a Carry On, which was on ITV and it kind of had the best bits. No, see, I, I never grew up with that. So I, I suppose in a way, you know, the, the flavour is very British and I'm not very British, perhaps. I think you have to be in the right mood for it, of course, but sometimes I like the corniness. 
And, you know, the way they lean into the corniness, like if someone falls over, there's like a bong on the soundtrack, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie's like, yeah, no. But but I do enjoy, you know, some of the, you know, the the setups that they have, like the the quips and, you know, the some of the dialogue is is very clever, especially, you know, some of the ones in Cleo and um, Carry On Screaming. Just play on words and things like that i think sometimes it's you know it, it was clever i think cleo's definitely talbot rothwell's best script and later on i mean he wrote like i said i wrote 19 scripts i think at that point anyone would be running out of steam i think some of the later ones he just didn't know how to finish them maybe he just ran out of ideas i think so even carry on camping that's a lot of people's favorite film or it's their favorite latter film really yeah, that ends really weirdly um, because um, there's the two couples, um, Sid James and um, is it Bernard Breslau? I think so. But anyway, Sid James, those two, the two guys, and they want to finally get it on with their girlfriends on this camping holiday. And that's been thwarted in various ways and they've been sidetracked. And it's just about to happen when the mother-in-law shows up. And then one of the women like unleashes a goat and the goat chases the mother-in-law away. But the goats come from nowhere. That hasn't even been set up. It hasn't been established that there's a goat which can be untethered and run after her. So the ending of the film has completely come out of nowhere. Well, that's just a plot hole then, isn't it? That's that's a plot hole. And even before that, like that film was becoming less coherent as it went along. Like, you know, there's a pop concert and suddenly all the Characters have previously been enemies band together to get rid of the hippies in the next field for some reason. I don't know why. And then the thing with the goat happens. It's really bizarre. But I imagine that was a consequence of working to such a tight schedule that you're writing, you're writing two and a half films a year. You've basically got, I don't know, four months to do a script. Well, it's kind of, I mean, Monty Python did a similar thing at the end of um, uh, uh, Knights, Knights of the Round Table. Um, what's call it? Um, Monty oh, Python and the Holy Grail. Well, that's yeah. actually not my favourite Monty Python moment. <laughs> oh, okay. that, that felt like a bit of a cop-out to me when I saw it. Well, they did do that because they ran out of budget, or they just ran out of time or budget and or storyline and just decided to have the police come and run them all up. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like that ending that much in Monty Python either. Yeah, although there's some really good things in that film. There's some funny running gags. So b- between you guys, what would you be your absolute favourite, and what would be your absolute worst Carry On film? That's Stephen. Yeah. Uh, well, Carry On Scream is my favourite. Yeah, the last ones are just. When when it starts experimenting with soft porn, it just gets a little bit. I don't want to see this really. It's like watching, you know, um, uh, um, no, I don't want to go for a, <laughs> for a metaphor there because it might go wrong. Um, but it just feels wrong. It just feels like they're trying to So the, the, the last ones, like um, Carry On England, Carry On um, Emmanuel, those two. I haven't seen England or Emmanuel. Um, I, re- I do like Carry On Screaming. Um, for the reasons I've said, the better than average art direction. Um, mm-hmm. I also quite enjoyed Carry On Cam- uh, Follow That Camel, which is their French Foreign Legion spoof, um, which is another one that seemed to have slightly better production values and just better art direction than the other Carry Ons. Plus, it's got Phil Silvers in it, Sergeant Bilko, 
who is a, I think he's a welcome addition to the team. So I do like that one. Um, and what's the worst? What's one that you just watched and thought, oh, my God, no, thank you. Well, I actually watched a bunch of them over Christmas because I knew this show was coming up and I didn't really get on that well with um, Carry On At Your Convenience because of the way it seemed to make fun of trade unionists and they just seemed to be on the wrong side of that. So that felt like something from a series that had lost its way a bit. Uh, yeah. Because that's the one that they kind of like lost money on, right? Yeah, right. You said, yeah, okay, all right. I mean, it's still got the classic silly carry-on moments, like um, WC Boggs is the name of the toilet factory, that kind of thing. Mm. But I feel like we should land this carry-on plane very shortly. Because otherwise we'll just carry on, right? (laughs) 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 Oh, oh, I cracked the funny. So thanks as ever to my wonderful co-hosts, Jay. Hey, thank you for listening. And our resident carry-on expert, Stephen. I wouldn't say I'm that, and thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for having us. And I've been King Dom. Till next time, take care.